Okay, so what if you're a player and experiencing burnout? Fortunately, nobody cares about you. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Live from a dangerous firehouse in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 71 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about how to combat game fatigue and GM and player burnout. But first, the party ponders a new offer in the Morning Glory campaign. And later, the Smite Biter wields a jaw for justice in the Character Creation Forge. Right, we teased it last week. There's a lot of new Unearthed Arcana material coming out. Like, yeah, a bunch. Like weekly. Which is like eight times faster than it used to come out. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, it's actually put Sage Advice on hold. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, hey, Jeremy Crawford. Actually work on rule stuff, please. <laughs> which is nice because it seems like they're not relying on freelancers anymore. What does that mean? Does it mean maybe that they're working on some sort of new rule book? Source book? Now, that would be really out of character because at this point, we've gotten two new source books, and those have been a year apart, and Volo's Guide just came out. Yeah, but neither one of them was specifically for players. Right. So it would be interesting, and I think it would make sense because the player side of the game is the most dangerous to to toy with. Mm -hmm. And they've gone through a lot of iterations with some class options right so if you've got jeremy crawford who is sort of the rules guru uh from a design perspective for fifth edition working on something it makes sense for him to be working on player stuff now i will say i think it's probably more likely that instead of a full-on source book we're going to get something similar to the elemental evil players companion which had a fair number of new races and then a bunch of new spells except that this would probably have class options Hmm, interesting so like a 30 page pdf uh, I think it's going to be bigger than that. I think that would be great. We're seeing too many different class things. I, I think it's going to. I think there's going to be additions to probably each class, and probably a revised ranger. Dear Lord, I hope a revised ranger. Yeah, but that is enough for reckless speculation. <laughs> we will start digging into the actual content of these uh, newly released Unearthed Arcana uh, starting next week with the Barbarian. And uh, moving on into the what, cleric and bard. Druid and bard. Cool. Speaking of reckless, we actually just had our first encounter with the latest iteration of Blades in the Dark. Yes, a game we have put off playing for a while because it's been in development. And still is. Yeah. But it's a lot more developed than it was when we initially looked at it. Yeah, and we couldn't hold off anymore and we... At a session where no one was running anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, our Dark Sun DM had some life stuff come up, so he had to take a couple weeks off of GMing. I can't believe some people have lives. Don't want to go to jail and instead want their lawyer to show up instead of running his game, which is really important. Yeah, screw those people. Yeah, those people. So what do you think? I mean, we've only had one session. Mm-hmm. We set up our characters. We set up our crew, defined some things about the world, and we pulled one job. But uh, I don't know. What do you think so far? I had parabolic fun 
I had a ton of fun at the beginning. I had a little bit less fun as we were learning all of the rules because there are a lot more rules than I thought. And then I had a bunch more fun at the end when I felt like I understood more and we hand waved some stuff. Yeah. Uh, and and the story got a lot more interesting at the end too yeah. as we the narrowly avoided completely bungling our heist. <laughs> Very narrowly avoided. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you rolled higher than a three at any point, which I did not do. So, oh yeah, yeah. So a three or lower is always failure, and uh, if you don't roll <laughs> higher than a three, it's going to be frustrating. That is true. That's the thing, though. I noticed at the end of the session, I failed everything that I tried to do because I just the dice weren't with me. I did terribly, but I had a lot of fun in even with the failure, I, and actually at times because of the failure, because the consequences were so interesting and opened up new avenues for the story. Yeah, I mean, I think we ended up with a good story. Um, I, I will say from a mechanics perspective, it strikes me as a very interesting way of managing a campaign mm-hmm. more so than a strong way to tell a story. And the kind of stories that the system seems to want to tell are sort of low level and, and short, but the mechanics lead you toward very long and complicated campaign arcs. Yeah. So specifically, it seems like every session should be pulling a job, mm-hmm. right? Because that's basically all your mechanics do for you. But once you have finished a job, right, kind of leveling up your crew, leveling up your character, kind of dealing with the benefits as you, you know, gain rep with certain factions and lose rep with other factions and that sort of thing is, I don't think, something that is unique to Blades in the Dark, Right, you you could do that in other games. It, it just presents a lot of mechanical ways to represent it. Mm-hmm. A lot of mechanical ways, because we did discover that there are subsystems upon subsystems upon sub trees yeah. upon things that you need to look up in a glossary in order to figure out exactly how to adjudicate the role of a particular die. Yeah, it's probably the crunchiest story game <laughs> I've ever played. Yeah. Uh, and, and I feel like in many ways it is more of a story game than a role-playing game. I don't feel like I necessarily got in character. I always felt like I was kind of detached because I was busy looking at a larger narrative. Yeah, I feel like our character was collectively the crew. Right. You know, that was the quote-unquote persona I was most invested in. Yeah. Like if... My character, Hound, if Hound dies or died, I would just pick another member of the crew. I believe your name is Tooth. I think your class is Hound. Yeah. See, I forgot his name, right? Yeah. Because it, it was just kind of an afterthought. Right. And I played the mastermind character, which is a spider, whose name I have already forgotten. <laughs> Anunsi. What? The spider trickster god. Oh, okay. I'm going to edit out you saying what. All right. You do that. I'm editing this episode. You'll get no such treatment from me, sir. All right. So what's your tentative verdict on Blades in the Dark? I know we're going to play again next week. I'm looking forward to it. I am excited to read the whole book, Mm -hmm. focused on the things that I feel we poorly represented, and and take another swing at it. Uh, And I think there are elements of it that I would like to adapt for other games. Like, I think there there's pieces of it, like for Rogue Trader, for example, mm-hmm. I think make a lot of sense for sort of long-term downtime activities that, that give me a good method of tracking that sort of progress in a way that will feel tangible to you. 
Yeah, I really loved the crew sheet and the crew XP and that we sort of agreed on how we would level up the crew. I am thinking I might hack a playbook specifically to represent the crew of your ship based on that. And see, that's the thing that I found different is that in a lot of games that you play, the ship has a character sheet and the ship is almost like a character in and of itself, but it's not you. You know, it doesn't represent you. And if the party spends a bunch of money and upgrades the ship, well, it's really just the pilot character who like benefits from that. Yeah. But we all got tangible benefits from XP or abilities we put into the crew. Yep. Because we were part of the crew. Right. And I really liked that idea. I think that is actually a mechanic I would have preferred to have used in adjudicating cubes abilities in the morning glory campaign like sort of have you guys in a meta way decide what abilities does cube grant all of you as you level up or as you like hit certain plot points yeah almost like you all gain a free feat what feat is it right or cube grants you a free feat what feat does cube grant the party right exactly Mm -hmm. yeah or in a you know 40k i would i would look at talents yeah Mm -hmm. right um but yeah, I think that's a that's a neat mechanic. I like that. Uh, I want to explore that further in other games. Speaking of other games, how about Morning Glory? We are right up to the end. We are here. We are smack in the middle of the final session. And I will say, we've only got a couple left of Morning Glory. Like like a couple podcast episodes left that we can stretch this to. Yeah. There's a poll on our Facebook group right now. about what we're going to do next can't promise it's binding but i would like to hear your opinion as to what we should do next with this segment because we're not going to keep talking about morning glory when it's fully recapped yeah and also we don't really know what to do next so yeah yeah, we're (laughs) at a bit of a loss all right so morning glory is our three-year eberron campaign the party is now level 20 they have epic destiny abilities they are at the pinnacle of their power they are decked out in pretty nice magical gear and they have infiltrated the silver flame to pursue the fiendish overlord bel shalor into his own domain where he has gathered up all the powerful entities in the multiverse and is attempting to remake the entire thing in his own image and here they are trying to stop him they have just defeated a spectral tarasque which is like a tarasque but way worse and they are pretty beat up when they feel a presence an overwhelming presence coming from somewhere and then off in the distance in the middle of this desert this wasteland out from the sandstorm walks this beautiful man nymphs pale in comparison to this man and he is in pristine robes with script in several languages written on them abyssal the language of demons infernal the language of devils mabron the language of the undead and all 13 dragon marks and as he walks up everyone realizes oh this is belshalor what a jerk well this jerk says greetings uh please please have a seat. Why don't you rest? And the party is allowed to take a short rest. Yeah. So he's going to talk at us for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
He does say, I just want to talk. And when he speaks, the entire party is absolutely 100% sure that what he is saying is true. So he has an aura that is effectively people in it have zone of truth on him. (laughs) Right. And it was at the table, it was actually really difficult for me to, as a GM, convey that, no, 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 you're not being tricked. You know he's not lying. In fact, I need you to know that he's not lying because he's about to tell you some things and I am speaking through him (laughs) and you need to know that these things are true so that you can make an informed decision about how this game ends. Right, but the problem is that the dungeon master was still you. (laughs) And you had spent so long betraying our trust True, that we could never trust you or your NPCs ever again. (laughs) So several times people were like, okay, I'm going to roll inside. And I had to be like, no, 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 you don't need to. Like, you got, you got this. You know he's not lying to you. Because remember, this is Belshalor, the shadow in the flame. He is all about temptation and corruption. He doesn't want to trick you. Right. He wants you to make a decision that will lead to your corruption and downfall because you want to do it. Yeah. He thrives when good people do bad things mm-hmm. by maybe, choice. Maybe for good reasons. Yeah. So the party rests and... He says, I don't want to fight you. I'm not interested in that. I've never been interested in that. In fact, I want to make all of you an offer. The same offer. To each of you, to each of the six of you, I offer a tithe. One-tenth of creation. Now, the party knows that he is planning on remaking the entire multiverse in his own image. So, everything will be his. And he says, you take a tenth. And he looks at Bastion, who has tried to be a champion of his oppressed people, the Warforged. And he says, I will give you a home for the Warforged. Make it whatever you want it to be. Every Warforged will be yours to command or control or to take care of. Give them free will, whatever you want. If you defeat me, you know that you won't be able to create any more Warforged. And the party knows this is true. Yep. Oh, because Q basically told us. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He says, do whatever you want with them. It's your choice. They will be as children unto you. And he lets Bastion think about that and turns to Brand and says, stop trying to change a hopelessly corrupted society. Why bother with Thrain when you can just begin a new one based completely on the greater good? He appeals to Brand and says, do the math. How many people can you possibly help? You spent an entire lifetime claiming to be more fit to rule than those who actually do. So here's your chance. What are you afraid of? Bren pondered it. Mm -hmm. To Bahar, he said, your house, House Madani, will be saved. It will be the last of the 12 houses, and no longer will they need to tend to their constant vigil. All danger will pass from their lives. To Kalik, I will return your wife to you. You will have the life that you could have had without loneliness or death, and I will grant you a home to all of the Syrian people. Keep them all safe. That is by far the most short term. <laughs> <laughs> but then, remember, then th- they can have children and live on. Yeah, but I mean, your wife is still only going to live to, you know, maximum age. No, 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 forever. Age. Forever and ever. Oh. Remember, he was like, you will be as gods. Oh. In charge of one-tenth of the entire multiverse. Oh, well, that means he's only going to be in charge of, like half a percent then if he brings his wife back (laughs) here's your man cave of the multiverse (laughs) 
to Emery, he makes a mathematical proposal as well. Think about it. How many people can you save in your short life? She's a half elf. She's got what? 120 years left? Max. Yeah. Instead, he offers to give her one tenth of every soul that will ever be born forever. And Emery can keep them safe and free. And he vows, you know, I will not take anything that you build or that you are given. Right. So you can create these enclaves or whatever, basically entire mini verses within this multiverse to do what you want. And, and he won't then like take it back or, or attack. And again, the party knows all of this is true. And then of course, Lou, ah, the end of Lou's character arc, he says, I present to you the truth. You actually were a Dalkir and you successfully bred a Dalkir half-breed and then implanted yourself inside the body in order to escape from Kyber. But in doing that, you lost the vast majority of your power. You feel as if you were this entity before because you actually were. And I will return you to the former glory of your previous form. If you choose, you may become greater even than that. So we thought about it. And we'll find out what they decided next week. So fitting, as we come to the end of a long campaign, <laughs> we should now be talking about burnout. It happens to everybody at some point who plays RPGs. You know, the term usually refers to work or school, but it can definitely happen in a hobby as well, especially one that sometimes is as work intensive as playing RPGs. You know, that takes a lot of time and emotional and mental energy to create characters, to come up with character ideas, to build those characters using mechanics, to make up stories if you're a GM, and then back that up with rules and memorizing rules and system mastery and all that math. Yeah, if <laughs> if you're not a casual gamer, <laughs> this could very well be overwhelming. And if you're a GM, it can very easily be overwhelming. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of times for people, it's not the gaming aspect that causes the burnout. It's the rest of your life, mm -hmm. right, that compresses down and puts pressure on your gaming time that causes that burnout, right? Yeah. It's, carving out a couple hours a week to prep your session or to read the new book or to get ready for that campaign. Deal with player emails, whatever. Yeah. And a player can take a week or two off and it doesn't really substantially impact the group or the story. But if a GM misses a session, as we're seeing with Angelo, the campaign has to stop. Mm -hmm. And like you said, the same thing happens if the GM just doesn't have those few hours in a particular week to prep a session. Yeah. Uh, family, the bane of good gaming everywhere. <laughs> it was much easier when we were 14 and single. Yeah, and no one had kids. <laughs> or jobs. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think this isn't true for us, but you know, a lot of groups, long-running groups, are based on a single GM, mm -hmm. right? The, the player who took up the mantle first is that group's GM. Yeah, they run every game, every week, for years that's the kind of group that i grew up in when i first started playing you know over 20 years ago when i was still in high school yeah uh it probably formed around the person who bought the books right yeah exactly yeah. and then they were like oh man these books are awesome i'm gonna find people who want to play yeah. so they also made the group right and then their house hosted <laughs> the game because you know hey mom dad i want my friends over here yeah 
And then, yeah, they're sitting at their kitchen table running it mm-hmm. or, you know, table in the basement or whatever. Hashtag forever DM. I, that is, there's a reason that's a hashtag, like mm-hmm. a real hashtag. Yeah, you know you're out there. Go ahead and tweet at us at TPTCast with your forever DM stories. Right. Why are you a hashtag forever DM? <laughs> we feel your pain. So, I, I mean, I alluded to it earlier, but uh, I know this hit you pretty hard towards the end of Morning Glory because oh, yeah. we were trying to wrap up the campaign before some of our players moved, mm-hmm. right? And we, we didn't want to lose those characters and those players and have them have no ending to their story. Yeah, they were moving out of state, so like they just weren't going to be part of the group anymore. So there was a six-month like straight run where I was running the Morning Glory campaign every single week. And I think to some of you, like long-term GMs, that doesn't sound like a lot. But remember, like this is the end of a long one to twenty campaign. And that is a lot more difficult to do than the beginning of the campaign, right? Like things can't meander. Every single session needs to advance the plot and drive toward a particular end goal. Yeah, and I mean, just prepping encounters for what at the start of this we were probably fourteenth level. Mm-hmm. So fourteenth level encounters hard to prep. 20th level encounters <laughs> multiply that yeah yeah so i was definitely sort of like struggling and pushing through and while it was amazing to end the campaign and to sort of like finish that and see like where the the characters went and and how their stories ended it was so cathartic to sort of pass the mantle on yeah <laughs> to like not have to do it <laughs> so let's talk about some ways to deal with burnout if you are a GM. Well, one of the things that you did, just take some time off. Don't yeah. GM for a while. Mm-hmm. Give it to somebody else. Yeah. We've talked about before in our group, we switch campaigns every six to 10 weeks. You know, one person will run an arc and then we'll stop that game. And then someone else will run a totally different game for, you know, six to 10 weeks. Yeah. And so this gives everyone a chance to be the GM mm-hmm. who wants to. Uh, it also lets us try new stories, new types of games, and new systems. And I'll say that this sort of round-robin approach that we have taken has resulted in me trying out systems that I never would have tried on my own. Like, Such as? Well, Blades in the Dark. Yeah. Right? We, just, <laughs> we just played that. Uh, but that's not one that I would have, like picked up on my own or even necessarily noticed on my own Uh you know i definitely wouldn't played eclipse phase yeah Uh, we're looking at fragged empire Uh, i mean i don't think we would have played the 40k rpgs if not for that right yeah no that's totally true because jim came back from gen con and was like hey i bought this book because it's incredible like (laughs) appearing and we were like Oh, I can get into 40k. Yeah, like, we wait, were... I used to play 40k, and you're like, 40k is dumb. Grow up, babies. <laughs> yeah, like super skeptical. Yeah, you know, but like, all right, I'm not running this game. I don't really need to learn it. I don't have to get super invested. We'll just try it out, and it was awesome. Yeah, it's also you know showed us some games we don't like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which which is fine too. You know, you learn lessons from that. <clears throat> Mutants Mastermind Third Edition. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> It was a great story. I enjoyed the game. I didn't like the system. Yeah, agreed. And of course, as a GM, for you, it lets you see these games from the other side of the screen. You know, it's really easy to get wrapped up in this. 
I am in control and I am creating this entire world and I bear so much responsibility for like this thing that's supposed to be a fun hobby. And sometimes it's super nice to just like show up and be like, I don't know guys, what are we playing today? Okay, well let me just randomly roll up a character and see what happens. Yeah, I think uh, it's important to keep an open mind as you do that though, right? Um, Especially for the forever GM, you can get stuck in your ways Mm -hmm. and uh, it's important to remember that doing things differently at the table from the way that you do them does not make them wrong. Part of the benefit here is that you get potentially new ways to do things that could improve your own game. Yeah, if you want to take a break, you've really got to help facilitate other people being GMs, becoming better GMs, and you can't get too judgy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought I was a pretty good DM when I came to the group, you know, even though I I hadn't really done it in a while. I became a better DM by playing in your game. Right mm. by playing in Jim's Dark Heresy game, by playing in uh, Cameron's Eclipse Phase game, I I learned things that I had never considered in RPGs. And when I did actually run a game, it made me much better at it. Yeah, absolutely. I think I might have the most years of GM experience by like a few. I think a lot of us are like fairly close. Um, but for you GMs out there who are like, oh, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I learned and have learned and continue to learn so much about running games from everyone else who runs a game at our table, no matter how long they've been doing it. Yeah. There's always something new or interesting or a new angle that like I hadn't considered before. Mm-hmm. And when people do make what I consider to be a mistake or something that I might look at and go, ooh, I wouldn't do that or I don't want to do that, that is also useful and informative. Yeah, you know. Avoiding a pothole is is also helpful. So another thing that you can do is let someone else run sessions in your current campaign, whether it's that that setting or even those characters in that continuity. What if they don't follow the the story that I wrote? I I mean, you could not run it in that continuity, right? It could be flashbacks or bottle episodes, right? Um, Or NPCs that are sort of adjacent to your campaign. Yeah, if you've got a group that, I don't know, has been running the same general campaign or the same world for like 20 years, maybe you guys like don't want to shift gears, learn an entirely new system, learn a new continuity or whatever. But you can certainly explore different areas of that campaign world or different people in that campaign world. Yep. Be inventive here because you're looking for ways for you to take a break. And also, this is going to come as harsh reality for some people. Probably not many of our listeners, but some people out there just your continuity is not that important. Mm. You know, it's like it's just not that important. Yeah. You will be surprised at how malleable it can be. Yeah. And like not really lose its structure. Right. One obvious area uh, that you can run into problems is if you're kind of stopping mid arc and there are unresolved secrets it can be tough to hand that off to another GM when you don't want to give up that reveal that's still being built. Yeah. Right. And and I think that is one thing that's a legitimate gripe for that kind of sharing the continuity is that if, if unwittingly undermining that, that long building secret. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's a good opportunity for those flashback episodes or dream sequence. Yeah. Or, you know, Hey, kind of take the, GM aside and say, so I got a thing here, mm-hmm. you know, can, can we just lock out the edges of this so that you don't accidentally 
screw it up. Yeah. Here are the things I'm thinking will happen or will be touched upon. And they can just be like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Uh, can you just leave that out? And eh, we're cool, we're cool. You know, these three things have to be true, regardless mm. of what you do, in order for my story to continue. So just don't screw that up. Yeah. And you're good. They have green eyes. Right. <laughs> it's, it is critical that my <laughs> NPCs have green eyes. My entire 20-year campaign hinges on green eyes. Right. <laughs> you could also take a longer hiatus. So when we rotate, we usually have like a main campaign that is planned to run, you know, a, a long ways, 1 to 20 in D&D or whatever, you know, a couple of years. And then we rotate that with shorter ones that are you know, a, a five shot or 10 episodes and that's it. So it'll be main campaign and then shorter arc, back to main campaign, shorter arc, rinse, repeat. Yeah. But you could switch that up where you rotate through more campaigns, you know, so main campaign, short arc, another short arc of a different system, another short arc of a different system, and then back to the original one. Yep. And we sort of got into this where we were doing dark heresy that wasn't just one arc but multiple arcs and then we were swapping back and forth between sometimes dungeon world and uh, sometimes eclipse phase which is also in a longer continuity mm -hmm. and then a DD game that was in a longer continuity and those were just all sort of switching back and forth so there wasn't really a main campaign yep yeah and i mean the the challenge of that is that when you switch campaigns right it's easy to lose the thread mm-hmm even as a GM, right? You don't remember all the details that were critical at the point that you switched. Yeah, where were we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, you want to make sure that you take steps to set yourself up to succeed. So I think summary emails are great, especially if you can't do it every week, at least do it at the end. So mm -hmm. you've got a good set of notes that set you up to succeed uh, when you do come back to that game. You just dig through your email, find out that campaign conclusion, and then move from there. Yeah, write that epilogue, not for your players, but for you. For you, yeah. That's <laughs> why I do summaries. <laughs> this system, though, is really useful for games that have long, self-contained arcs. So I'm thinking about the Rogue Trader game that you, Shane, ran, where you know, we had maybe 10 sessions of like becoming Rogue Traders, and then we set that aside and played other games for you know maybe three or four months. And then when we came back there was a like seven year time skip mm -hmm. where it was basically an entirely new arc. Yep. So it didn't feel like we had lost the threads of what had happened because, you know, we did a, a new sort of session zero and like recapped what had happened in the interim, but it didn't actually get played. So the minutia wasn't that important. Uh, yep. That's because it was a patented Shane montage, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It was basically a new session zero. Now, it might be that as a GM, what you really need to do is find another game. Now, now this is totally different from finding a different game. We're talking about finding an additional game. Yeah. Maybe that's in person. Uh, more likely these days, it's probably online, right? You have your one main in-person game, and then you play some online games as well. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's how I play. Right? That's how I get to try out lots of different systems is mm -hmm. that I also play online and it's not a perfect analog for the tabletop in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but I still get to see things and I, I get to experience a lot more games. Yeah. I still have my star Wars saga play by post game. Are you is, serious? Yeah. We just, after a year and a half, we leveled from six to seven. Congratulations. Thank you. I know I'm super excited. <laughs> a year and a half on play by post. Now I joined a little bit into level six. So I think it took them 
two solid years to oh, level. <laughs> man. But it's still been fun. Yeah, yeah. Because the reason to do this is maybe it's actually that you're not tired of GMing, but that you're bored. You know, it's sort of like the classroom scenario where the kid who's acting out, it's not because they have trouble understanding the material. It's because they already got it and like they moved on. Yeah, it's like uh, another D&D story, you mm-hmm. know, like how many dungeons are we going to knock over? Well, how many beholders can we behead? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Zero. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the quest continues. Being a player in another game stretches different mental muscles. And for me, it actually often gives me the inspiration that I bring back to our home game, mm-hmm. right? I, I just steal whole cloth, cool ideas and cool encounters that I saw in different systems and different stories. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible that you just keep running the weekly game, Yep. you know, but you get a bit of inspiration or, you know, reinvigorated somewhere else. You get a side game. Exactly. <laughs> Puts a little spice back into your <laughs> home game okay, that's right. <laughs> uh yeah and, and obviously though not a great solution if you're if your reason for burnout is that you don't have time mm-hmm. <laughs> like carving out more time to play in another game is not going to solve that problem yeah don't do that in that case you might want to consider finding a different game there are several ways to do this right you could stay on as the gm in your game right now but Everybody, like the group, starts a new campaign. And that could even be a scenario where you rotate with your original campaign, right? So take the one you're running now, set it to the side, start a new one. All the players are still players. You're still the GM. Create a new story, create a new campaign. Maybe it's a totally different system, maybe not, whatever, but it's different. Mm -hmm. Play that for as long as you want and then switch back and forth. Yep. Also consider, you know, switch systems. Mm -hmm. Maybe you've just grown tired of D&D. And there are a lot of other games out there. Or maybe you've never played D&D. And this is a good time to try. Yeah. It is good to be open-minded about what system you use because there are a lot of mechanics that click with certain people or that really make sense to some people more than others. And you may just be in this rut because you're playing something that just doesn't really fit with your personality or your group or your play style. Yeah, or the story that you want to tell. Yeah, you know, yeah. If, if your narrative is fighting against your mechanics, that can really grind on you uh, in a way that you, maybe you can tell that story with a system that better enables you to do that. And it's really hard to tell that that is happening unless you have a lot of experience with other systems. Right. And then, I mean, eyes open, right? Maybe this just isn't the group for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a bad fit. And if you're tired of players that are off on tangents and not focused on the game or people who aren't learning the rules or are always struggling to stay engaged and don't seem interested in your story and and aren't as passionate about it as you are, you know, maybe it's time to move on. Yeah. Remember that the goal here is to have fun. This is a hobby. It's not supposed to be work. Right. And I mean, unless they're literally paying you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And if so, let us know. Yeah. Good for you. (laughs) And if you, if you do feel burnt out, maybe we can, I don't know, sub in or something. (laughs) Yeah. If you ever need a (laughs) substitute DM for your paid game, I got time. I'll make time. But, you know, of course, be a decent person, right? Don't make it personal when you leave. Just let them know that you're 
going to have to change. You're going to have to leave the group and it's not personal. Yeah. It's also possible that like you are not the GM for this group, you know, like maybe your play styles just don't mesh. Yeah. So, Hey, sorry guys. I'm, I'm really struggling to pull this game together every week. I, I think I'm going to walk away. Thank you for the fun that we've had. And then go find like a group that you really mesh with well. Yep. Short of that though, you could also just try taking an indefinite break or stop GMing altogether for now. Because it is possible that you you don't want to be a GM. You don't want to run games. You know, some people fall into it and end up as a de facto GM, right? You were the one who happened to buy the book first. Your cousin played and showed you how to do it and you showed everyone else. You know, you just happen to be the messenger. But it might be that it's just not for you. And it would be much better if someone else took on the role of GM mm-hmm. permanently. Uh, I mean, or, you know, you just need to step away from role-playing games as a as an activity for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I did that in college. More for social reasons than for particularly burnout reasons. But, you know, after taking time off from playing, I was like, hey, you know, I really enjoy doing that. I want to go back to that. And so I started playing online. Yeah, there was a time when most of my rpg interaction was with video games and then you know online communities of like neverwinter nights yeah. and things like that and that gave me like a much better appreciation of the in-person games that i got into like back into after that yeah i was like oh wow this is so much more immersive and interesting and i i liked it so much more than i did when i was younger yeah exactly I, part of it was just i had grown older yeah <laughs> and more mature myself so mm-hmm. Uh, I actually started playing role-playing games in IRC chats. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, which is not a terrible analog for a table, <laughs> honestly. Mm-hmm. But I was three or four years older than I was when I quit. So I was more interested in you know, stories that we were building than I was in collecting loot on my character sheet. Right, fake loot. And, yeah, and rolling... <laughs> A double zero for my strength you know like quote unquote rolling a always roll that double zero <laughs> weird how that works yeah when i first moved to new york city i left like two long running groups in boston that like, i really enjoyed and when i got here i was just way too busy to find a new one but like, after three months it was just i have to find a new group you know i gotta i gotta locate some new people to, to play because i've been away for a while and, like i miss it that's interesting because mine was actually the opposite. Really? So when I moved to New York, I didn't have a lot of friends here. So I had time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, you know, like I could I could get into this for one night a week. Let me see if, uh, if I can find a group. And then uh, I responded to you on Reddit. Yeah. The rest is. The worst decision I've ever made. Tragic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what if you're a player? And experiencing burnout you've got most of the same options as a gm but you can totally be more extreme if you want because the game existing doesn't depend on you being there that's true you know i think it is extremely rare that all of our players are at any one given session which is why we have so many players in our group <laughs> frankly <laughs> a lot of us are kind of unreliable uh, yeah yeah but yeah the game doesn't stop unless the gm is missing the player can just be like hey, i'm sorry i gotta take a couple weeks off i got a thing yep and that's that's cool. So if you're feeling burnt out, hell, take a month off. Mm-hmm. Take time and focus on school or work, your family, other hobbies you might have, or just binge some TV shows, you know? And then think about it. 
do you miss rpgs yeah i mean it's a time commitment right so are those four hours or six hours a week better spent doing something else if Mm -hmm. the answer is yes that's fine Mm -hmm. and then when the scales tip in the other direction and you want to come back to playing the game do it yeah I think this is the first episode of the podcast where we've been like, stop playing d and <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> Role-playing games will ruin your life, kid. <laughs> Take it from me. <laughs> well, okay. So what if you don't want to stop playing? What are some other options? Like, And this is, this is reasonable because a lot of times role-playing groups are social groups too. Mm-hmm. And quitting the game can also mean you're kind of ostracizing yourself from the non-gaming things that you're doing right so fortunately there are a lot of less drastic things like switch characters or switch builds you know you could maybe retcon the abilities or the class of your current character with a story event which is what brand did in the morning glory campaign yeah i mean that wasn't from player burnout but that was just me not liking the build (laughs) But I think if you if you had been forced to continue to play that build, you would have started to feel some burnout because you were playing something you didn't like. That's probably true, yep. And if you're in a group where like that doesn't really happen or it hasn't really occurred to anyone that that's an option, then people can end up playing something they don't like for much longer and then start to feel bad and they don't really necessarily understand why that is. And it's because, you know, you should probably be playing a different character. Yeah, I, and I mean, this highlights the importance of communication, right? And, and talking to your gm and talking to your group so that they understand where you're coming from when you do this stuff right now this is i want to make it clear this is an instance where you play the same character you know the 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 same background the same personality right the same history of that character but your mechanics have changed Mm -hmm. in my case literally my race changed (laughs) but we came up with an in-game story event for why that happened uh, oh, yeah, we haven't actually answered why that has happened yet in the recaps. Oh, yeah, I think that sort of came up like between us. Because, yeah. Like it didn't really involve the rest of the group. No, but I, I did get confirmation of it at, at the end of it. So, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, what happened publicly in the game was that uh, as we got warped uh, back in time to the day of mourning, Bran just came out different on the other side. Like that he was a human when he went in. And he was a half elf when he came out. That boy's always been a little bit different, right? And uh, and and during that time, he felt that he had been muddled with uh, and became a dragon sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't need to be that drastic a change, right? You don't need to be reincarnated as a polar bugbear, right. for example. <laughs> yeah, you maybe you're human and you stay human, yeah. you know. But instead of fighter, you're paladin or rogue or whatever. Sure. The other thing you can do is keep your build but change your character's storyline. Because maybe what is boring you about this character is that you don't like the direction that they're going in the story or you you don't like their personality. Yeah, ugh, I'm tired of playing the goody-two-shoes paladin. Can I just be chaotic for once? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can. <laughs> and, and I mean, this is a great way to introduce like a crisis of faith mm-hmm. to your arc or uh, introduce new relationships to NPCs or, you know, personal tragedy yeah maybe that happens because of the dice or maybe you work ahead of time with your gm and say like i want this bad thing to happen yeah maybe you have a kid maybe you discover a new goal or you know you really latch on to the new arc of the the campaign Mm -hmm. like this is something that you're very much in control of 
It's also possible that you want a clean slate. Talk to your GM and maybe you can just be replaced by a doppelganger. That's uh, a, yeah, it's a little ham-fisted, but it could work. <laughs> totally new personality. <laughs> uh, mind seed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there are lots of options, as long as you're not playing too low fantasy. And I mean, the other thing you can do is just retire that PC, mm-hmm. right? Conclude their arc and let them ride off into the sunset. Or let them die and replace them with someone new. Yeah. You could rotate them out. Right, like make them an NPC, like, oh, I really like this town. I enjoy it here and I think I'm gonna try to make a life here. And then, you know, bring in a new character or, you know, a someone who was an NPC and make them a PC now. This works really well with uh games that are sort of built around maybe like a thieves guild. Yeah. Or like uh any type of espionage game, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. uh you know, if you're a spy of any sort working for an agency, uh if you're a mercenary mm-hmm. or a soldier, you know, all those types of replaceable grunt type workers yeah and you might be able to convince other players in the group to do the same thing and then you can create this roster of backup npcs that you can sort of rotate out into the party depending on what job you're doing exactly but yeah maybe you do just kill them off (laughs) yeah or you know npcify them Mm -hmm. you know hand your sheet to the gm and say this is yours now you enjoy that and as, as a gm treasure that yeah, <laughs> because you now have a pre-built NPC that you don't need to name that people at the table are already emotionally invested in. Exactly. But be be true to that character mm-hmm. and it'll work out great. Or replace them with a doppelganger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you've got your next arc of your campaign. Done. You're welcome. Burnout uh, finished. <laughs> Another thing to do if you're a player who's facing burnout is try running. Now, it's a lot more work. There's just no way around that. But if you haven't ever done it, give it a shot. Yeah, running a game is, I I think you agree with this, it's more rewarding than just playing in a game. I enjoy both, uh, but I wouldn't want to only play in games and never run a game. I agree, yeah. It, It scratches different itches for me. As I think we've talked about this in the past, and I, I don't, I don't know that more rewarding is how I would approach it. But I think the fun that I have as a GM is not easily replaced, and I wouldn't want to give that up. Mm-hmm. So, like a GM, it is really great to get that perspective from the other side of the screen. You know, if you're usually a player, running a game will make you a better player, and in easier player to deal with definitely an easier player (laughs) unless you're a sociopath right because like it'll occur to you that oh maybe i should just follow this hook and shut up yeah exactly (laughs) maybe i should stop being a rules lawyer because (laughs) nobody likes those people right (laughs) and it's also a great way to get inspired for your next player character oh totally you know it's like when you have to create lots of npcs in order to populate your world you know sometimes some of those kind of hit home more than others and you're like man i really want to i want to tell the story of that innkeeper yeah you know who who rallied the town to defend itself against those goblins yeah it's one of the most frustrating things that happens when you are running a game is Oh man, this would be a great character to play. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm not playing anything. But I love that that cycle that propels the move between switching between GM and player over the years. I have an amazing idea for a character while I'm running a game, 
and then I switch over and I get to do that, which gives me amazing ideas for like a campaign that I want to yeah, run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, when you when you see those paths that weren't traveled mm-hmm. in your story, you're like, man, I really want to run a campaign that explores that thing. You know, what if we had gone east <laughs> instead of west? Yeah, I think I've talked before about how I, I sort of have this habit of somehow, even if it's not explicated, just tying all of my players all of my PCs together, like they are related in some manner or they have some sort of like thematic similarity that I think a lot of that stems from what was the imaginative beginning of that character. You know, where do they come from? Yeah. And then I think good advice for either players or GMs is get inspired, mm-hmm. right? Figure out what it is that makes you most interested in gaming. Now, whether that's podcasts like our own, which is, part of the reason that we even started creating a total party thrill in the first place or it's reading books or it's watching movies or tv shows right if it's uh comic books or or whatever you do right if it's watching other people play games do that right get your interest level back up find your inspiration yeah find a different creative outlet that can fuel your interest in the game i really didn't expect that doing the extra work of a podcast would inspire me to come up with new things for a game i thought it would be sort of an explication of things i had already come up with when i was running but it absolutely has been an amazing resource for running a game or coming up with character ideas yeah i am way more inclined to say yes to playing in games now because of this podcast (laughs) (laughs) so you know hey don't start a podcast because it takes way more time than you think it will oh man but something like that, right? Whether it's uh, contributing to a, to a website, blog entries or something like that, or it's participating in forums or whatever you have to do to kind of get excited about gaming. So we've run through all the different ways you can deal with burnout, but how do you figure out if you are burned out? Does going to a game feel like a chore? <laughs> Does it feel like work? <laughs> are you happy to go home at the end of sessions? Do you have trouble coming up with character ideas? Do you regularly have trouble figuring out what happens next in the story? Are in-game setbacks or failure more disappointing than they warrant? If so, you could be burned out. Call Total Party Thrill at... Actually, just tweet at them. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, you know, I mean, joking aside, right? If you're feeling those things, uh, you might start to be getting burnt out so head that off at the pass right don't let that feeling fester yeah all of the advice that we gave for people who are burnt out is good advice in general Mm -hmm. you know even if you're a gm who loves gming and is so invigorated by it every single time you should try to be a player sometimes Mm -hmm. it's gonna make you a better gm yep absolutely and vice versa and everyone really should take a break to do something else every once in a while even if that's not purposefully to take a break you know you're going on vacation well you're not playing for those two weeks that's fine yeah yeah no i mean i think i probably end up missing a session probably like every fifth week or so Mm -hmm. and i kind of like having my monday night you know for whatever reason usually it's not even fun stuff but just like i get a breather (laughs) you know i don't i don't have to sit in a room with five or six people for four hours you mix things up. I don't have to drink four glasses of whiskey. Well, I mean, I, I do. do. 
I think the biggest takeaway from all of this is that burnout is an opportunity to improve your gaming experience. You're feeling burnt out because something isn't optimal. And so if you can identify that you are feeling that way, you can now fix it or improve it. Yeah. Do something different. Mm -hmm. Do something better. Do something more awesome. Just do something. Anything, you schlub. (laughs) All right. Now that we've begun insulting our listeners, (laughs) do you hear that, Ishan? I'm just having trouble hearing or feeling anything these days. You know, it's difficult to get to games. I'm not really having any ideas. Well, maybe if you roll up a new character. In the character creation forge? Yeah, maybe you'll be more excited. I think it's working already. Well, before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane, at Mundangerous. It's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan, at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice Minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show, at TPTCast. You can also email us, if you can't fit it into 140 characters, at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.TotalPartyThrillCast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And be sure to check out that poll on Facebook if you want to get involved in the direction of the show post-Morning Glory. What the heck do we do after the recaps? Yeah, please get involved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building the Smite Biter. Oh, this, my friends, is a lizard folk paladin who uses their bite as their main attack. This is out of Volo's Guide. I'm glad that we have wasted zero time (laughs) desperately mining Volo's Guide for any new content that we can find. What's different? Uh, Yeah, because we get burnt out on the Character Creation Forge trying to find new archetypes. Also, I like rhymes. Internal rhyme. Smite Biter! Yeah. All right, so what's the build for the Smite Biter? It is Oath of the Ancients Paladin 10, Fighter 2, War Cleric 8. I'm intrigued, as as you have spoiled, this is a lizard folk, so what are we building on here? Well, because the lizard folk has a built-in unarmed strike that's actually really good, 1d6 plus strength, you've got a built-in short sword. It means that the lizard folk can smite, because it is a weapon attack, and doesn't need to have a weapon in their hands. Also, it's hilarious that, you know, you've got divine energy pouring out of your mouth, (laughs) <laughs> just crunch yeah your, your bad breath is actually divine <laughs> lovely it does beg the question can you benefit from two shields <laughs> no you can't because under the shield entry it says you may only benefit from one shield at a time Fair. however volo's guide does have that stupid looking fire the giant fire dreadnought giant. yeah i know oh and they have two shields, and that is specifically factored into their AC. So your mileage may vary depending on your GM. Ugh, don't carry two shields. But <laughs> use your other free hand for, you know, like grappling and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or the somatic components of spells. Mm-hmm. Because that means you can save a feat on Tavern Brawler because you don't need to make unarmed strikes because you got that built in. And you don't need to get Warcaster because you got that free hand to, for the somatic components. Yep. And you can use your bite as a bonus action once per short rest. So that's a nice little bit of flurry. It's usually kind of difficult for paladins to get extra attacks beyond their two. Yep. So, benefits of paladin. 
You're going to get your extra attack at level 5. You're going to get your smites. You're going to get resistance to damage from spells. Which is a thing that we don't usually see because we hardly go Oath of the Ancients. But it's a feature that I really like. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense for a lizard folk. And at level 10, you get immunity to fear, which I think totally makes sense for a lizard folk. Yeah, especially for something that's, you know, leading with its mouth. <laughs> like, you got to stick your nose in there. That's right. You can't go in afraid, man. Uh, hey, look, we're fighting demons. Yeah. I'm going to put my mouth on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, whatever you're fighting, you're going to taste it. You can't be afraid. I think demons taste better than devils. They're more unpredictable. Hmm. They're like uh, mystery flavor airheads. I bet I bet devils taste like chicken, though. Right, actually. Yeah. yeah. Womp womp. Paladin also gets you magic weapon, which you're going to need at higher levels because your teeth don't suddenly become magical. Yeah, the most uh, pragmatic spell on your list. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it's concentration, but what are you going to do? Yeah. And note that your bite is a natural weapon, so you'll be able to use magic weapon on it, unlike a humanoid's fists. Right, unlike an unarmed strike. Right. It counts as an unarmed strike, but it is a natural weapon. Right. And then we got Cleric, eight levels, quite a bit. Yeah, this is a thing that we like to do with Paladins, is throw in a full spellcaster so you get all those extra slots that you basically just use for smites. And uh, is it eight level that you get the bonus... To your weapon attacks the extra 1d8 on your weapon attack radiant damage yeah yeah your, one once per round your, right your divine bite yeah <laughs> brilliant and of course you know yeah you got blast you can cure if you need to fine yeah although the lizard folk paladin is probably just as likely to like let you die of natural causes and then eat you or you know serve you to the other people so they heal hey look don't get into my character's background yet okay <laughs> we haven't finished talking about the fighter that we've added in here. We just have two levels of fighter for action surge yeah. for the nice bit of burst damage. Because right. that means, you know, the paladin only has two attacks. You do have that nice bonus action attack. So with an action surge, you've got a flurry of five attacks all at once, and you can drop a smite on every single one of those. Yep. And uh, keep in mind that this will be your second fighting style. So you could take, say, protection and defensive. Mm-hmm. Or could. because you're probably going to be terrible at range attacks. You could take archery, whatever. <laughs> yeah, because you can make like darts, right, as a lizard folk? I guess, yeah. That'd be handy. <laughs> you're great with those darts. Plus two to your uh, to your thrown weapons. Yeah, I, I like that. That works. All right, Ishan. So what's the backstory for your bite smiter? Smite biter. Bite smiter. It's very Danish. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like I think I bought that at IKEA. It's the pros at uh, <laughs> at IKEA. Yeah. My lizard folk paladin was rescued as a pup. Is that is that what a tiny crocodile is? Actually, I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. Was was rescued by a druid. Uh, okay. And raised in relative civilization in the woods. Right. So I think a human child raised in the woods by a druid would come out sort of feral but a lizard folk raised in the woods by a druid kind of comes out a little bit classy yeah yeah, yeah cultured almost sure right absolutely doesn't kill sentient people to eat them just eats them if they happen to be dead or if they happen to you know stick their arm between your jaws in the midst of combat yeah oath of the ancients paladin right you are here to protect the natural ways you're not here to protect soft 
people. And I mean physically soft and mentally soft. Yeah, right. Because you're a cold, unfeeling lizard folk. <laughs> yeah, but you have a strong sense of justice. Sure. You know, there is a right way that things should be done and a wrong way that things should be done. And chopping down that old oak tree is the wrong way. So I'm going to eat you. I'm going to eat your friends. Probably going to eat your axe because I could use some roughage. <laughs> and all will be right with the world. I like it. What about your smite biter? So I think my smite biter uh, has a little bit more divine flair. Hmm. He's a uh, He's been chosen for what he is to become. He's sort of a, a paragon of the lizard folk of the the area that he grew up in, right? So lizard folk are kind of outsiders to human society, right? Mm-hmm. They they kind of they might be near a human settlement, but they're not of a human settlement, right? And so he is uh, sort of tr- chosen and trained to lead the lizard folk forward in sort of taking up arms with their human brethren, right? Sort of earning their place at the table, showing their value. Uh, and and I'm thinking, you take uh, the oath of the ancients because you're fighting against uh, like a, an abomination, mm. right? Maybe uh, in, in Eberron it would make sense as like a Dalkir incursion or something like that, right? Where you are uh, valiantly striding forth as the as the primarch of your people, sort of something bad enough that humans will ally with lizard folk. Exactly, and the benefit of being the paladin and the cleric there is that you kind of have that social element too, right? Mm. That leadership component that maybe humans look to you as well. I like that. I also like maybe that there is in this pantheon, a lizard folk deity or like a, you know, one of the deities is often represented as a lizard folk Uh because so often they're humans and half elves or elves. Just rude. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's obviously the god of logic. Yeah, knowledge. Yeah, of... Uh, Waste not, want not. Of pragmatism. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like sort of a, a very neutral god whose ideal is not giving in to ideals. <laughs> <laughs> lizard folk paladins, lizard folk monks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. If you want to support the show, the easiest way to do that is to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And if you're willing to help us out, we'll read your five-star review on the air. You can also find us on Stitcher. It's like a Pandora for podcasts. If you like or favorite us there, the algorithm will help other people find us. And this week we have a five-star review from The Koki. This is extremely helpful and entertaining. Five stars. This is one of the few podcasts I get excited for every week. It's great for getting other people's ideas for sessions, advice on how to deal with players, and tips for people new to the game. The hosts are fun to listen to and don't push their opinions too much, giving generally unbiased advice on how to become a better GM and player. Generally unbiased. And uh, don't push our opinions too much. Well, you're wrong. Yeah, exactly. We push them as hard as we can. The most. That's right. Tremendous pushing of opinions. (laughs) I get the biggest opinions. The bigliest opinions. (laughs) How long until the... Oh, man. I don't, until this isn't funny and we just weep? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, no. Thank you, uh, the Koki. That is a, a lovely endorsement. I agree. For once. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, what do we have planned for next week's episode? We're continuing our series on playing non-human characters, and we're talking about tieflings. I know you've been waiting for this one for a while. I finally gave in. Yeah. You know, it can also be other weirdly tainted creatures. Weird. Don't need Don't need to be tieflings. Weird. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is going to be <laughs> our most racist episode ever. Great. And in the Character Creation Forge? We are building the Faustian Fiddler. All right, that's it for episode 71 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we've lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. <laughs>